right, here we are with Star Wars Fellowship, Pitch Black, Season 2, Episode 1. We're in June 2021. My name is Devin. I am playing the Overlord Framework, and with me today we have... I'm Stephanie. I'm playing 411KM, a droid, using the Air Playbook. Peter asks Shining Peak, then Avaya Force Mystic, the Ogre. Ian, Sicarius, a Harch, the Spider Playbook. Holden, playing Zevendre, human Jedi Knight, using the Lantern playbook. Alrighty, so here we are at the beginning of Season 2. If listeners are here, they've probably already... I'm assuming you've watched Season 1. I'm just going to move on. Uh, so, who wants to do a brief, brief, brief conceptual recap of what happened last season, just to keep people up to speed? Well, everybody went to uh, the state of Messina now because some bad things were going down there, and the result of bad things are coming down here. There's a Lord Marshal and his death cult of the Necromonger Horde. They're able to, you know, end all life as we know it throughout all of time because, you know, suffering is bad. And yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, we had some fun adventures. Also, big evil box. It's and not an evil alien. box, it's just a box. But there are okay. giant aliens. <laughs> the giant aliens. The and giant aliens. So many Uh They're so called Charlings. Those are called Wampas. <laughs> or Wookiees. They're not Ewoks. Bigger Furlings. Bigger Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know everything. Yeah, that's everything Bigger that happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, season two for antagonists. Oh boy, bigger, bigger Marshall. Oh, bigger um, As we begin season two, we're going to kind of bridge the gap between the end of season one and what's going on now. So, uh, presumably speaking, you guys got the ship off of the Witch Moon of Korriban and are going to some place to do like extended repairs. Um, I believe it was pitched that Zevin would go to Hoth to drop off the um, the artifact, the source of power that you reclaimed from the Lord Marshal and stole from him. Um, where was the ship going to be repaired? Where were you guys going to take that? Because the three options were taking them to the Mandalorians on Hoth, taking them to Commercia Prime for like, you know, dry dock. Or taking them to the spider planet um, to have them work on it. So while you're like refilling in your mansion. Well, yeah. me, and, me and Ian were going to go back to the crime destroyed anyway. So might as well take it there to get get repaired. Spiders, okay. yeah. spiders, spiders. Perfect. Not half. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh wait, I forgot the thing. The most important thing. The name of this episode is Fire River cost I thought so, it was breathe in breathe out um, what <laughs> what did I what when, when did I say that yeah, you did say that you, like you said five that like minutes ago. three minutes ago I didn't say the episode was breathe in breathe out when did I say that you, you, you said did. it like you five minutes ago we we all recorded no I said the words breathe in breathe out and then you hit record did yeah. I? Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, I have to point out, I am. Anyhow, not, I am. 
I am not high. I just made a mistake, I guess. <laughs> you just have the memory of a goldfish. It's okay. Alright, well, Fire River Cost, I guess. I don't remember saying the previous episode title, so whatever. This will be a trivia Fire thing River, in, in the TV in, Tropes out, page. Whatever. Yeah, here we are. We're good. So, to recap the, the things that are up in the air at the end of the session, Maul was on your ship, and then you promptly got rid of him, uh, because keeping him around would start some sort of blood war with all the Mandalorians you made friends with. Uh, but they're pretty forgiving about you not executing him, because, yeah, let's, let's take a moment to recover and rest, and we can deal with Maul. Maul can be hunted for the rest of his life. You know, the Mandalorians aren't worried about getting back at him. They're just like, come on. Not in front of us, in I front mean, of our wife, in front of our kids, being friends with him. I mean, it's going to be more sporty when they hunt it down and kill him for the revenge of everything. I think they'd prefer that. I mount his skull on their predator trophy rack. <laughs> Uh, so Maul and you guys parted ways amicably <laughs> in that he still thinks you guys are totally okay with hanging out with him because uh, he just needs good people to do nothing for him to win. <laughs> he just has to push the window enough that you're okay hanging out with Satan, Grandpa. <laughs> and I'm okay hanging out with Satan, Grandpa. Right? So, uh, he's departed to go do his own stuff, uh, mostly poking around the straight and seeing what the exit conditions can be like, or figuring out what to do about all the monster stuff that's happening, because that stuff's going to get in his way and be a problem. So he is out. Um, the ship is trashed. You have whatever crew members left that you have, you know, on board, <laughs> uh, which I believe was Krell Duran, your, uh, your navigator. He's the navigator or the pilot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, Rudwar Gi, the Jedi Knight. Torapano, the Jedi uh, Padawan. Uh, and also... Where... What was his name? Ah, yeah. The Republican. Your friend in a spacesuit. Your friend in a spacesuit who's more than willing to give you a hand. And all the spiders. Yes. So uh, there's a brief montage, as I guess this session is going to be a very abstract form of the long journey, but the long journey is how you get from where the season ended to how you're going to get to where this episode's going to end. So the first thing that happens is we cut to your ship, the Necrobor, wounded in space, you know, uh, making a landing pass on Hoth to drop off uh, Zevin and his supplies. Who would like to accompany Zevin with returning the, uh, the artifact to its rightful place? Which is to say, who would be like to be here for the scene with the giant aliens? I guess I can come with. All right, no more volunteers. No, no, don't everybody <laughs> volunteer at once. Oh. All right, so the Necrobor drops drops off the Stellar Intelligence, which is what that Zepho artifact is. It is a cube pulsing with power, with like handprints and images appearing on its surface, as if there's an entire world trapped inside. Um, the, the furlings are able to help you load it up on a grav pallet and stuff and start bringing it with them as they, um, prepare for a journey of their own, a pilgrimage to the cosmic metronome, the home of the stellar intelligence. The Necrobor takes off in the distance on the horizon and, uh, everyone remaining on the ship punches it for warp speed 
or to, for the jump to light speed to go to uh, the home of Sicarius and 401KM, which is called, stretching out those words. It's called the Crime Stroid. No, it is called <laughs> the Silk Well, which is an asteroid with a harsh community living onto it that tries to stay away from the law and people who want to harm them. It is not <laughs> called AKA the Crime Stroid. But it's nicknamed the Crime Stroid. All yes, the cool that's... people call it the Crime Stroid. <laughs> you punch the you punch it chewy to light speed and go to the Crime Stroid. So, uh, Handsome L has picked um, some of the bravest and most fierce of the uh, the teddy bear people to come with you guys to go on this journey. You load up your supplies and you guys trek across um, the ice until eventually you come to a cave system that looks like it's partially melted steel after they clear away some of it and like go in a bit deeper. Like this is a, a sort of uh, structure that basically made its own cave that's kind of grown over with the millennia. And further and further down this melted kind of twisted corridor, it opens up, it has cave systems inside, stalactites, stalagmites, ice that's kind of looks almost like it's diamonds or gemstones glowing with a light passing through it and giving off like kaleidoscope color effects. It's a magical sort of going into a unicorn glen scene as you go through this twisting cave. It's not oppressive or ominous. You're not expecting a giant spider to come out and eat a bunch of your teddy bears. But, you know, it's a trip to a sacred place. And at the very bottom of uh, your route, uh, it is a dead drop over a cliff uh, that you guys have to rappel down with the giant cube on a grav lift. After a good hour and a half of straight going down, like on ropes and harnesses and that grav lift uh, managing... um, you get to a fissure in the cliff face that goes downward and that fissure with the, the ground you're standing on, eventually the walls give way to a vast, empty, echoing chasm. Um, the ceiling is is far enough up that you can only kind of make an impression of it against fog and cold air that's condensing down here. There are massive uh, pillars or obelisks made of an unrecognizable black uh, mineral that just kind of jut out of the fog as you look up before you and just kind of goes on like a forest. Uh, you can't really tell where they begin or end. Uh, you can't tell if the bottom is much further, but you're on a sort of path suspended above the darkness. You know, your own kind of winding mountain trail. And in the middle of it, at the end of the path, is some sort of altar that's root or its, its base just descends down into the mist below and you can't see the end of it. And there are what look like, I guess, an alien race's version of a headstone or a place marking a place of importance. Um, sort of a Stonehenge-style, you know, shaped plinths or memorials that have runes carved into them and pictograms. Oh, man. I'm it, is train, it is train time where you are. It is train o'clock. Right? And as you guys bring the the cube closer to it, there's an impression in that altar big enough for the stellar intelligence. So it's you two, Handsome L, and the cube. And I guess whatever NPCs you brought. Did you bring any NPCs to see this? Some assorted furlings, I suppose. 
Do any of the Jedi's want to come by? Uh, they want to come by if you want them to be here. I guess we can do without them. Okay. Well, they can go fuck themselves <laughs> then. Well, if they didn't want them there all day. No, 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 no. They do want to know. They do want to know if you want them in the scene. If you don't want them in the scene, they're indifferent. That was the question, Pete. I think we can assume Rude War is still uh, on the ship in sick bay. Makes sense. Considering. Yeah. Yeah. He he took a hit or two. He did take a hit well, or two. His life has been a hit or two. <laughs> Let's have Tora, you know, maybe some time away from Rude War. All right, so Tora's there with you. Excellent. Um, yeah, at this point, the cube and the altar in the middle of this vast empty cavern with no walls and a high ceiling and no floor you can see uh the the plinths start to they don't light up like they're a machine but the pictograms on them retain light that's being cast off by the intelligence almost like it's a thick sort of gel but made of like a like a luminescent ether these things are collecting the light and yeah l the little albino furling looks at you too uh, and gestures for you guys to pick it up ceremoniously and place it. Right. I guess I'd go and lift it up and just, you know, tonk it there. All right. Is this how it goes? This side? <laughs> as, it, uh, as it hovers above the, the sort of room for it in the floor... Uh, everything starts to take on a high-pitched... You know what? I'm going to use this from the Exalted game. There, there's this sound of like a frequency, like like energy climbing up and, and accelerating. You know, the idea of like air and electricity starting to meet violently. And at the far end, at the terminus of your vision in this cavern system, or this giant kind of opening inside the planet, you see a presence moving forward. It's indistinct at first, but it's affecting the light and the, the movement of the fog. And that's when L and the rest of the furlings start chanting the giant aliens over and over in their little language. It sounds different, you know, like Garignac. Um, yup nub. Yeah, yup nub. <laughs> and yeah, the shape that approaches is hard to make out, hard to define, hard to kind of get any solid geometry to. It has a vaguely torso look to it, like a torso with long, multi-segmented arms, and a head that has a... Its head looks like something that's almost like a like an organic sphere with a nail through it, and many kind of holes in it that light pours through as if they were eyes. Uh, and it's, it's more like it's made of atmosphere or ghostly vampiric mist than it's a real thing, and it just approaches with its hands grabbing those pillars, pulling it forward as you hold the thing above it. Okay, uh, but this stellar giant. Oh, it's so big. It's enormous. It's <laughs> like this cavern is it's taking it up. Hmm. And it's just waiting. Well, but... They're like Eli's just like, yeah, like the giant aliens are gods. I wave towards it. Hi. And at the point where you plug the intelligence in this entire cavern, uh, and I'm assuming you do that, right? Because the only reason I stopped yep. you from doing it was to let you know what's happening as you're doing it, not to say you shouldn't. 
Uh, so when the intelligence goes in, it slowly starts to sink into the ground uh, until it's flush with that altar. Uh, there's a blinding flash of light as like pure white thick fog that ha- gives off its own uh, illumination pours into this cavern, lighting up the ceiling and the floor as far away as you can see it. And they're much further away than you would have assumed. This place is huge. But it has pictograms and constellation markings onto it and what almost looks like mathematical formula and astronomy combined into like cultural art all across this cavern system. The black ghostly figure that wasn't quite here, um, it almost is mirrored like a, like a distortion effect of light through water until you have three of these things and their bodies are slender and straight and their, their lower form goes deep into the, into the mist below. Um, They have multiple arms. They have a bird head. They're wearing like complicated robes and, and things that make them look like a cross between a sorcerer and an emperor all at once. And they seem to float like they're underwater and they're still giant, but there's three of them on either side of all you guys in like a triangle and they just sort of glide over to you guys uh, and look down at you. Seven, do you have any context for what this is, other than giant aliens? They look like giant aliens to me. <laughs> Seven, if you know anything about Jedi lore, and we're hanging around with... Um, there, there's a Jedi Master that, in, that specifically investigates ancient dead cultures... This would be a depiction, or, uh, or or the depictions that you've seen would be of these things, a Zepho. They were an ancient precursor race uh, from before the Republic existed that ruled, well, everything. Every reference to them they can find said that they were in charge of everything. And then they were gone. No real temple survived, or structures, or remnants of their empire, ships, technology... For the most part, it all just vanished one day. So I have one question. Um, The cube that we just sunk into the ground, is it just a technological doodad, or am I feeling any sort of stirring in the force around it? It is not giving off a stirring in the force. It seems to be technology you can't understand. Um... But it, it, the technology for this cube might have come from, if you're the scholarly type, a greater understanding of the Force and how the world works. So it's a product of knowledge of the Force, but it doesn't manipulating it. Uh, you're getting a feeling. You're, you're, something. you're getting a push and pull Just though from me. these things. These things are present. This might be something of the order of Zepho Holocron. Yeah, um, looking at it now, like really, really looking at it now that it's active and now it's like glowing brilliant white and you can see more intricate details into it. You've seen holocrons, Sith and Jedi. There are examples of Sith holocrons in the temple for like study to recognize them and you've seen Jedi holocrons. The, the stellar intelligence, like that might be a crossover in technology. That might be where the idea came from. So the lead bean, the, the one at the point of the triangle, so to speak, the one that kind of seems to be a little more not assertive than the rest, but the one that the ones clearly are deferring to, it looks down at you two and the furlings, and you hear 
I guess the only way to describe it would be you hear it in your mind. You hear something communicating with you and making a connection. And my question is, do you resist and reject that? And that's for both of you. No. I'll just let it happen. This looks interesting enough. All right. So you hear a voice in your head that sounds like your own voice. Like yourself talking to you, your own internal monologue, that's talking to you. And it says this. In our travels throughout the known cosmos, we have found that there is a phenomenon. It is a shadow on all of creation that pulls and binds it together. It's a sort of interconnectedness of all things. And there are certain people that can tune into it and have a greater understanding of the universe. And that understanding gives them power. And it also gives them control. And it gives them wisdom. For you to be here, you must understand this phenomenon on some level and be in tune with it. The first question we have for you is, what is the word for it? We call it the force. And like the the ghosts nod. We are the cult of the wills. And we're here for you. So if you've come to us again, that means that you have a problem. And we're here to listen about what you need us to help you solve again. I'm sorry, again? We can table that for right now. Let's start with helping you. We face another shadow. One more sinister than the binding force of which you speak. Something that may be from outside of the universe as we understand it, and which poses a terrible threat to this region, to the Strait of Messina, and quite possibly to everything outside of it as well. They nod. Tell us more. It seems to seek the annihilation of matter, of life, of light and energy. It works through the dead and insinuates itself into the weak and the wounded. In our world, in our time, when our empire was vast, while it is still vast, we encountered a threat such as this. They were different in our time, though. They had personification to themselves, like they had snuck in and worn the skin of sapiens. They called themselves Bob and Mike, and they were a plague on our culture. Like, he says Bob and Mike the way you'd pronounce it, because it's your own voice. But in our time, we banished and confounded them and bound them and cast them out. If you were encountering something similar to these ancient predators we once dealt with, we know how to help you. And that's why, again, we included these things here for you. They may be the very same. They answer to those names. The, the light in them goes from like bright kind of blue, pale white to red for a moment as they make kind of like clicking bird sounds at each other. Oh, we see. Interesting. <laughs> that makes sense. To answer your previous question, we've talked before, but not in a way you'd understand it. To understand what we are, Zevin, 
you have to understand where we are. Right now, we are at the heart of our empire. We are on our world of of, um, Kandar. We are in our temple, and we are preparing to leave. And when I say we, Zevin, and Shining Peaks, I mean all of us. We have explored all we can explore. We have seen all we can see. And we have accomplished what we can accomplish. We have been scholars and heroes and sages and caretakers and mendicants and healers and tyrants and despots. And we have cast all of the material out. And because we have done that, we are going to move on. Because there's a place to go when a people like us get to the age we get at. When a culture reaches what we've reached. And we don't want to leave anything behind that will hurt you. So when we leave, we're going to leave forever. And we're going to leave no trace of us if we can help it. The cult of the wills. We believe that even though we're giving away our material fascination, that we should try and leave a little bit behind. Something helpful. Something that will leave... It just isn't fair with our... What's the word for... What would be the word we'd use for you? Our caretaker species. The ones that we keep and the ones that we train and the ones that we raise. Your lifespans are small and your perspective is tragically short. And what we've seen is your cultures aren't really allowed to grow into one like ours because of that circumstance of existence. So we're going to leave something behind to help you if the problems we encountered that we had to use all of our empire to solve come about again. And that's what this is, Seven. We left a beacon, um, a buoy, that if you ever ran into trouble, you could come back here and talk to us. And we could talk to you now. And we are talking to you now before we leave, but we've already left from your perspective. Do you understand? Well enough, I think. That's good. We've gotten to the point where this is all happening to us at the same time. So at the end of this conversation, you're going to give us a crude data drive, and we're going to put that backwards and send it to you so that you can try again to do that plan that didn't work out all the way. Do you understand what we mean now when we say again? For us, there are stages to this. And because there are stages, we're choosing to gate off the order that we tell you these things, partially because it's responsible and partially because it's how you and us agreed to do this. From my perspective, I'm speaking to an ancient recording. Your, on your end, it's something quite different. On our end, we were around one of our great altar machines in our temple at Syrinx. And on our end, we're talking to you in real time. From your end, you're seeing a remnant. The particular intricacies escape me, but I trust your judgment in this. They nod. They understand that. 
So we have left you a tool to defeat this Lord Marshal and save your world from and save your worlds from fur further suffering and pain. If you seek it out, whoever does will be changed, and you won't be able to go back to the life beforehand. If you come back with that, we will give you more information that you're ready for. But that is the test, and that is the lock to it. We can't be sure unless you bring it back with you. I can see no other practical course to take. The Lord Marshal's forces are widespread, enormously powerful, and he wields force that for uh, wields powers that I have little context and little understanding of beyond that they're inimical in the extreme to everything we hold dear. In Tell me where this weapon, this weapon, or aid, or whatever it is may be, this tool, and I will seek it. In the system that you're speaking to us, and like a star map shows up on this planet, and they bring up Nelvan, you know, Shining Peaks world, we left behind one of our scholars. No, we brought left behind a witness. We left behind someone who saw our war against what you've seen and our struggle against ourselves to shuck off the darkness inherent to our hearts. The witness knows everything you need to know about how to destroy these things and cast them back to whatever cosmic underworld that they were birthed from on our world of Kandar. The witness Nelva. will know how to talk to you. I see. The witness will know how to help you. If you bring the witness back to us, we can give you more. That's exactly what it's called, Peter. It is called the witness to darkness. <laughs> no, like that's that's been canon for months. We're not going to be coy. We we we're we're going we're not going to be coy though. And they give you a a representation of like a like a like a visual image of a Coptic urn with Zepho writing onto it. In our study of the nature of the galaxy, the nature of creation, we found this invisible this the force of yours, and we realized that it does not exist in our world the way we think it does. We think we believe. We know that the living force that you probably use to exact your will upon the world is a shadow of a greater cosmic force, a sort of living soul of the entire galaxy. This witness we made is a reflection of the material world. It is a part of the living force. There are creatures attracted to it. Creatures that will live inside you and colonize you if you're strong enough and knowledgeable enough. We took one of these creatures and we gave it sapience and we gave it power and we gave it purpose. And its purpose is to help people like you, Seven and Shining Peaks, to tutor you in our ways of enlightenment. Find the witness this to darkness. Must fall on Shining Peak, for I do not recognize the midichlorians as being canon. 
I'm mean, sorry. Makes sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> for, for listeners, for listeners, the idea of midichlorians in our game is that people who are strong in the ways of the force attract them because they're not they don't give you the force they're just attracted to force users they're a single-celled organism attracted to the force the the sort of living lifeblood so you can kind of they're basically gauge... force force bacteria yeah they're 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 like symbiotes or like symbiotic creatures that will live in you and stuff okay and like certain forced traditions will use those creatures when they understand what they are as kind of like a foci or like a, like a thing to kind of channel their, their connection to the force through. Because a single-celled organism doesn't have hate or fear or loneliness or doubt. It just exists in perfect harmony with creation. So if you focus on those midichlorians, it helps you channel the force and like not give in to your, uh, you know, like, like your, your doubts and failings. But that's a crutch because <laughs> you could do so much more if you actually confronted your inner demons. They're like training wheels. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. That's that's sort of the pitch for midichlorians in a way that's interesting. Jedi Masters, they don't really care about that stuff because they've moved beyond it. People like Qui-Gon and Yoda, it didn't matter to them because they were actually in tune with the cosmic force. The idea that yeah, you know, you don't really worry about, like, being a soldier in an army for a government that spans the entire galaxy. That's a little material-worldy. You take a... Hmm, those who worry over midichlorian counts, bitch-made, are they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Padawans, uh, Darkseid users, too, would probably, like, if they don't give in to their emotions, if they're, like, Darkseid Padawans, they'll still kind of, like, believe that that's, like, the beginning and the end of the Force, because they don't really understand the whole perspective, you know? It's difficult to, to kind of get that idea. So, yeah, if you can find The Witness to Darkness, which is a ancient alien genetically engineered super midichlorian called the Macrochlorian, you can get this source of power. Uh, I was thinking like a metachlorian, but sure. <laughs> no, 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 because I am referencing something. I am referencing the Star Trek Voyager episode macro, uh, macro virus, where Janeway has to do the movie Alien in a tank top and fight a single cell virus the size of like a basketball that's biting her constantly. <laughs> because Neelix infected the ship again with cheese. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right for Neelix, yeah. I am yeah. also riffing on Stargate, where the Macrochlorian is a ghouled symbiote, but it's not, like, evil. It's just a ghouled symbiote. You have to take the symbiote into yourself and blend with it and become a different person. So, uh, yeah, that is the next source of power you can gain, and if you bring it back to the Zepho, they can give you more info, but... Like, the the witness to darkness is the commitment thing. That lets them know that they're speaking to the right version of you guys that can actually pull this off. So, um, this is the part of the interview where we would go to questions and answers. So, uh, <laughs> Zevin and Shining Peaks, do you have anything you want to talk to these guys about? Anything weighing on your mind? Anything you're worried about? Things you don't understand or can't explain that you might want to talk to temporally un a, a chronal force wizards <sighs> I mean 
I think other things we're dealing with are just, you know, the local problems, things that we don't really need a cosmic answer to. Well, they'll try to give you cosmic guidance. They're not big on real answers. They, they're advisors. <laughs> they're here to help you, not solve it for you. I've got the will of the force to guide me already. I mean, <laughs> then, if you guys have nothing for them, they'll leave you with this. During this trial you are going through right now, they say to both of you, you're going to see and feel things. And sometimes you're going to feel and see things before they actually happen. And it is tempting from your limited perspective to believe that all things happen in the way they're supposed to happen every single time. And that isn't true. From our perspective, space and the passage of time and the order of events they happen in and the order of events you have to get from one destination to another aren't so intimately linked. They're a shadow of the way the universe really works, but we only perceive it as such from the perspective of what we are now before we became what we are. So if you're encountering the idea that you're on a path that you can't get off, understand that space and time aren't a river or an avalanche or a storm, they're much more nuanced or numinous. Things can happen out of sequence, and things cannot happen that should have happened, and it'll all work out the same. And as they say it, you can feel an intrusive thought peer into your head, uh, Zevin. Like a train. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I All love right. the tiny little one there. Like, sorry, like, Steph. I, er, I, er, eat, I hit er, the er, field. <laughs> I'm a little bit faster on the draw. Sorry. It's okay. But damn. All right. You get an intrusive thought. And the intrusive thought in your mind is that sound of breathing behind you and the feeling that you're going to die. Like you're being hunted by something coming in the future. This is something that you've experienced a few times already in season one, and I'm just bringing it back up. And for Shining Peaks, um, the kind of intrusive thought projected into your mind by the Zepho or the Cult of the Wills is the recurring story of Ghost Hand from your village and how it seems to be playing out all around you. The Zepho are trying to let you know that there are no predetermined deaths and there is no such thing as destiny. The will of the Force doesn't believe, and this is what they believe, by the way. You've got to take this with a grain of salt. They think they're like they're ascending to a higher plane of existence and have a bunch of weird shit going on. So your characters don't have to believe they have all the answers, but they believe that the will of the force doesn't really care at the end of the day about time or really about space or about cause and effect. As long as the galaxy has like, as long as creation has a sort of harmony to it. And that's them. Um, unless you have anything directly I haven't thought of that you want to ask them about or talk to them about, uh, they will end this communication scene. I thank you. Uh, I had no intention of letting visions of doom 
or foreboding turn me from my course, but your words are a comfort. They all nod. Uh, Shiny Peaks, anything from you? No, I don't think I have anything to ask you. Just, you know, taking it all in. May your force be with you. And remember, you can't kill a dead man. And they uh, they fade out, and the the stellar intelligence keeps glowing, but it like gets a little more moderate. And uh, yeah, you you feel their presence leave the cavern, and the the sort of unreality of this place kind of stops, and you are merely underneath the surface of Hoth. Hmm. Those were so, definitely some giant aliens. How much of this is Zinjai teaching Seven? How much is what? How much of this is in Jedi teaching Seven? Old rumors, legends, apocrypha. You find mentions, fragments, mentions of the wills in some of the oldest journals and writings. I thought them legends. Hilariously enough, the vaguely heretical Qui-Gon Jinn talked a lot of bullshit like (laughs) they just did about the Force being (laughs) different than how the Jedi Council was talking about. He believed in a cosmic force. Like, he he actually had, like, literature and, like, uh, sort of, like, counterculture essays Qui-Gon would write to the Council and, like, to his Padawans that really upset the ruling Council at the time talking about how the living force is like the least useful way for them to spend their lives. And it must be the cosmic force the Jedi pivot towards. And that includes giving up this sort of political favoritism from the Republic. And wow, the Jedi council did not like that. It is definitely not something the Jedi would teach you. Some of them's ultra orthodox. Yeah, like he he Martin Luther Kinged on the on the doors of the church did, and uh, as a as a you know as a fallout from that, people stopped taking him seriously a little. Hang on, Martin Luther. That's um... <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't need to add the king at the end. Sorry, it just rolls off the tongue. Here's my ninety six reason why <laughs> Martin Luther King, Doctor Martin Luther King, did not travel back in time to nail those uh, feces on the the doors. Or is is he? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. King had better things to do than that. Than time travel? (laughs) Than fuck around with the Catholic Church. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. That's kind of where Qui-Gon stands, as far as I can infer from all of the stuff they've written about him in canon. Like, this isn't even... Not super canonical. That's how Qui-Gon gets treated in literally all the recent fiction, including Clone Wars. He, uh, he was the Martin Luther. He was the Martin Luther figure of the Jedi Order. Mm. It's just the Jedi aren't like, you know, they weren't going to like hang him or anything. You know, they're just going to be rude to him. <laughs> We're not going to hang you, but you go to the special assignment with a Sith Lord and hope you make oh, it back. Whoopsie doozle. That solved itself. 
<laughs> oh, Qui-Gon, we have this super important mission for you on, uh, what's this fucking shit all called? Naboo. Naboo. Yeah. <laughs> A trade dispute. Very vital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people of Naboo who live on a paradise world overflowing with, uh, what, what is it? Like, what's that city with all the canals? Venice? Venice. Yeah, overflowing with Venetian architecture and canals and vineyards and a thousand painters <laughs> and a thousand painters on every landscape producing masterpieces every single day. Yeah, they're really starving for resources because of this blockade on their garden world. You better go deal with it. They're starving. The the, the suffering is catastrophic. Uh, I think it's better than like uh, was. Ahsoka's people, at least someone called with them, that were artisans, and they decided, okay, let's colonize this planet. Let's have no military whatsoever. Let's be neutral in this war, and oh god, we got invaded by slavers. I mean, you could just see how Boss Nass was just wasting away to nothing under the blockade. <laughs> you, you and the Naboo form a symbiote circle. What happens to one happens to the other. All right, so if the Naboo are suffering and starving, the Gungans definitely are. Which, like, if you if you interpret this as this mission was a bullshit mission, Obi Wan step when Obi Wan does that in the movie because I've seen the Phantom Menace a thousand times for some reason. When Qui Gon's like trying to uh, like argue with him, Obi Wan steps in and says that line, and it's a bullshit line. Like it's it's nonsense. It doesn't make sense. But like you can tell everyone's like, okay, let's just speed this up. If the if this lie is good enough for the Jedi, it's good enough for these goddamn frogs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just bullshit them and tell them that that something that affects the boo is going to affect them somehow. Oh, tickle down the economics. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's 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 a little bit of a kind of a lore update, just in case you want to know how where Qui Gon sat and his his weird philosophy about the Force and letting go of material possessions and material concerns. See, now we need to go back to Maul and ask whether Quagon imparted any wisdom before his passing or something, something. And Maul's like, yeah, uh, he, he sounded real shocked when I stabbed him in the back and kicked him down a bottomless pit. Here's <laughs> 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 a detachment for the material world. Stop. Right, right. Maul. Because something like two lightsabers better than one. I, I think Maul, I, I, I think it's a great, uh, like, contrast because Maul, who's only concerned with the material world and ruling the material galaxy is like, yeah, I just stabbed that dude in his material body <laughs> uh, with my laser sword no, no with my material laser sword right? <laughs> it's so expensive you know how much these crystals go for? Uh, Darth Maul's lightsaber cost 4,000 credits because it's 2,000 credits for a lightsaber in the Star Wars D20 role-playing game. <laughs> How much is that in the Whoopi Whoopi? Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know, for that... Uh... Ah, good. Steph's back. I was just about to ask. Thank God. That was going to be a pause moment. So... Um... For that part of the long journey, unless you guys have anything else you want to do, uh, I'm going to cut away from you guys. Is that good? Yeah. Oh, no, for good. God's sake, get the other players. They've been waiting long enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Unless, unless Tora has something to add. Uh, Tora kind of just absorbed she was here, all that. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah, no, she was. She just didn't have a lot to say because she just, oh, wait, you can't hear what they were saying to her in her mind. 
So no. yeah, she was just there. She was just there. <laughs> and there were three of them and three of you. She learned all the secrets about how she's going to you know, stab everyone and find no, some handsome no. young lad. <laughs> it's very tragic, and it might come up in the, the next game when they talk to Tora after she's become, you know, a dark side cyborg bent on revenge against the Empire. But what essentially happened to Tora was she got a similar conversation from the Zepho from that you guys got, and was basically the Zepho saying, you know, things don't have to happen the way they happen. And even if they do happen the way they happen, there's no such thing as time and space. You could always do something else at any moment. You don't have to commit to being the person that you've decided you are at any time. You could just throw it all away and become a different person. Which, you know, that might be like, oh my gosh, they're encouraging her to become evil. Or they're giving her a lesson for later in life that might come up if the PCs are cool and stuff. I don't know. I haven't even recorded those sessions yet. Well, we'll definitely have some seed for the future. Exactly. Always constantly setting up content. So yeah, it's, it's actually great. It's actually great you brought Tora because I didn't think of doing that until like this moment here. I'm like, oh my god, there were three of them. There's three Jedi here ish. <laughs> I could totally set something up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, we will star wipe away from you guys as you're walking away from the altar. Like way zoomed out though, so you look like three little like individual actors against like a vast matte painting that has a really lot of clever lighting tricks on it for the giant cave system. And you and the furlings, you know, zoomed away, walk into that crevice again to start climbing all the way back up. So, you know, enjoy that. It was an hour and a half down. And as I hear going uphill always takes less time. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh. All right, so star wipe to the Silk Well. So within the Strait of Messina, uh, there are, of course, asteroid fields. And unlike real asteroid fields where an individual asteroid could be a thousand years between from it, the other one, these asteroids are all bunched together and somehow not reduced to sand, bashing into each <laughs> other but not breaking themselves down. And one of these asteroids is big enough and secure enough and deep enough in the field that it's been colonized by uh, Sicaris' people, the Harches. And it's called the Silk Well. They've cut a hole straight through it like a donut to build a sort of mega structure. They've added metal and material and like, uh, you know, um, starship quality spider web lassos and moorings and whatnot and built a sort of, uh, I guess like an O'Neill cylinder or a ring world out of an asteroid. You know, an asteroid habitat that could fit probably a few thousand people. A few thousand people sounds safe for a, for a habitat. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Um, this is clearly a trade station. You see ships of all sorts zooming in and out with their little ion engines and their fun little kitbash designs. Uh, as you fly your ship in, limping along because it's taken so much punishment. Um you dock at one of the docking bays as spider webs to send down and like stick onto it, holding it in place firmly. Um, oh yeah. Wow. That's a great picture, Steph. I don't know how to convey that into, into words, but yeah, it looks a lot like that. Super cool and stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, probably that's electrically awesome. or chemically charged webbing touches your ship and holds it in place. And they'll probably do like a thing to it to make the webbing let go later, but you're now caught in the web. And there are harches everywhere. They're in those jumpsuits that people from the Republic wear. You know what I'm talking about, right? The orange jumpsuits with all the garbage on it and stuff that you make at home. 
They're all wearing those. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's technicians, people with headsets. You see, uh, I guess humans. They just call them humans, not Terrans, because there's no Terra. So there's humans going about aliens from all across the sector. You know, there's a fair, there's a lot of given refugees here now because their world was sacked recently by the Lord Marshal. Uh, whoops. Uh, you know, there's Lasat here hanging out. Um, droids of all stripes. But you are here and you are home. So in this habitat, Steph. You have an estate, as per the air playbook. Um, how would you describe your estate on this asteroid? Is it separate from the asteroid itself on its own little part of it? Is it an orbit around there and its own little like mansion? Are you built into the superstructure as a cave system? Or is it a building? Things like that. I think it's it's probably uh, separate from the, the city megastructure, but connected to it. Like, like you can access the city and vice versa from it, but but so, it's set a little bit apart. So it's a it's a villa basically, in the sense that it could be in this habitat. Exactly. Yeah, you have acreage around it. Yeah, I have my own mini asteroid. There we are. All right. Well, you dock in the Silkwell because even if your mini asteroid does have a ship dock, you probably want to bring it to a place that has technicians and engineers on standby to start doing some grunt work. Okay. Uh, so you guys get to go through the silk well from the asteroid itself to make your way to your villa. Um, there is a cacophony of people running and working and vendors and shops, people selling cooked food and people selling droids, ship parts, um, you know, timeshares on vessels that you can one day own for like crews trying to start out on their own. Um, there are guilds here, mining guilds, construction guilds, uh, private military contractors are here, mercenary companies bounty hunters all the things that would be in a star trek uh are are in a star war are here (laughs) so um i guess for this scene as this is the long journey for you and ian uh, my question is what is going to happen in this scene as you make way to your villa um what are you looking for what do you want to happen what would be an interesting twist you guys can answer or peter and holden can answer because that's kind of how you know a long journey works Um, maybe uh, my brother is visiting oh, right now, too. Yeah, that would be a good twist. Visiting in person? Uh, I know what he's up to. He wouldn't be leaving Fair the enough. area he's in right now. Maybe not like visiting in that. person, but maybe, maybe he has, like, an embassy or something here. Yeah, like yeah. Picking that, something up from the house. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, picking okay, something up yeah. from... So, um, in the city square, you know, you're going through, they're seeing people who are like, you know, hey, they want to join up with ships, they want to be crew, they're looking to start a new life, whatever. Um, You see a small delegation of um, uh, CIS, you know, Confederation of of Independent Systems, battle droids. Um, It's a squad of B1s, it's two of the super battle droids, and it's one of the commandos. Um, they're there in a group. They have a Nemoidian with them, and they also have a protocol droid. And they are talking to various vendors, and all of them have spray painted on them or on their clothes or on their technology that spider symbol of Admiral Trench that I'm sure Peter's going to Google and post in the Discord because he's been on the ball with that the last couple of days. <laughs> but like, they all bear the symbol of Trench. Okay. 
Um, so you two see that. Yeah, I'm going to immediately flag one of them down. Oh, they, they don't flag down to you because they don't care about you. They're droids. Hey, hey, pay attention. And I'll, I'll grab one and be like, hey, excuse me. Hey, hands Is... off the merchandise, buddy, the B1 says. I'll let go. Listen, is, is Admiral Trench here? Is he in the sector right now? Or not in the sector? Sorry, is he, is he on... Yes, the Admiral Trench is here right now in the sector. He is in the Strait of Messina. Yes, I, I know that. Is yes, he, is he on Roger, the Roger. Oh, droid. <laughs> if, if he stops paying attention, you can auto-kill him. <laughs> you have a move for that. It's true. It is true. <laughs> Just sitting there like, ah. Uh... Is Admiral Trench here at Silkwell? I don't know. He, that battle droid knocks on another B1. Hey, hey, do you know if Admiral Trench is here? The Admiral? I don't know if the Admiral will be here. Are you sure? Someone's asking. Who's asking? Should we be telling them? Do they have authorization? Do you have authorization? Of course they have authorization. Well, Roger, Roger, then. That one turns back to you. I don't know if Admiral Trench is here. Let me ask someone else. He taps on another B1. Hey, the two of us were trying to figure out... Fuck off, Peter. You can't just drop halfway for the A self-aware references in like that. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know if Admiral Trench would be here. Do you um, think that he would be here on the Silk Asteroid? Should we be telling anyone? Do we have authorization? I have authorization. That guy has authorization, too. Does he have authorization? He kind of looks like him. Do you think that might be Admiral Trench? I don't know. Let's ask him. Are you Admiral Trench? Yes. All right, yeah, Admiral Trench is here on the asteroid. Roger, roger. They all turn away from you and look back to the group. Ah, uh, No offense, uh, 411K. <laughs> Some droids can be interesting. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ, uh, Sicarius. <laughs> Just having a droid day right now. I'm sorry. Um, okay, look, look. I... So now that I've established I'm Admiral Trench to you guys, um, remind me again what I ordered you to do here. They all look at each other. Roger, roger. And they turn and start opening fire on you immediately. <laughs> we, will, we will now cut backwards to some of the early days of Admiral Trench starting to manage his droid army. And he's just going through giving them commands. If I ever walk up to you and ask you what was the last thing I was doing, immediately shoot me. If I ever walk up to you and uh, and ask what kind of food I normally eat, immediately shoot me. If I ever walk up to you wearing clashing colors, immediately shoot me. If I ever walk up to you and then I say something and I turn around and I make like a snickering sound, immediately shoot me. If I ever leave my room and say no one go in there, if you hear any sounds, don't do anything, immediately shoot me. If I ever walk up to you and say I'm Admiral Trench, you should tell me what I'm doing and then ask me and then I ask you what my last order to you was, immediately shoot me. No questions asked, just do it. <laughs> Admiral Trench uh, that's lives in a world where shape changers exist. He's such a smart man. And such he's a seen, good brother. He's seen Holovids. <laughs> <laughs> I just, he knows how. I picture Sicarius. Like I, he's I picture genre savvy. Like, like, like they just start opening fire, and I picture Sicarius just like ducking cover, and it's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. That's fair. <laughs> Just so, like, because, like, 
totally takes it on the chin like yeah that that's on me i should have known better so because i i've i've pitched what battle droid stats are battle droids have two stats easily confused and that stat means you can lie to them and they'll believe you but if you lie to them too much it damages the stat and if they don't have easily confused their second stat fire and never stop firing don't ask questions shoot everything in front of you never stop firing it's a very long stat immediately triggers a hard cut against you for damage that's fair that's fair now, that's not me making that up i've established this like like months ago when i was thinking about season one i've oh, told I, people yeah. about that i so remember you push, you push too hard take your hard cut take damage oops, oops. uh yeah no i'll damage I'll take damage. That's fine. All right. They're just going to focus fire okay. on the barricade you're behind and try to get around you. The B2 battle droids are starting to too. And the commando droid pivots on its heel and like puts up its hand like next to the Moidian, And he starts retreating with him with a heavy blaster. Okay. So they're looking after the Nemoidian. Um The Shatnarian. Let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hey, am... What are those battle droids? Oh. What was all the ruckus about? <laughs> Second star yeah, on the right, straight on till morning. <laughs> second uh. second star to the right of what, sir? <laughs> all right, Ian. Morning in what locality, sir? Can I activate... I'm just going to activate a pit trap, because I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and can. They're just gonna fall in. they're just going to fall into a pit trap. I'm cool <laughs> with that. So you just flip a nearby console and a pit trap opens up under them. They all fall in. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, why Admiral Trench? We're only following orders. I just, as I walk by them, like, I'm just like, good job. Well done. Good following (laughs) orders. But, uh, I have more important business to attend to. Oh, they're still trying (laughs) to shoot you from the pit. They're just bad aiming. They all fell. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to follow the Nemoidian and the other one. All right. Uh, but a little more stealthily. <laughs> it will be extremely easy for you being a spider to track down the Nemoidian and that battle droid. 41KM, you've been here the whole time. What do you think of the events that have just transpired in front of you? That was not smart, Sicarius. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, I know. I should. I, you know, I always assume my brother is up to some kind of hijinks and like. He's such a good general that he's planned out every last little detail. And then I always just walk into it. And it's, you know, I'm probably going to get a phone call in a few weeks from him being like, so I heard you got shot. And <laughs> he's, yeah, it's just, it's going to be another disappointed Christmas card. And it's, <laughs> well, life day card. Life day. Life, life sorry. Day. Another disappointed life day card. Just like, you know, brother. If you learn from your mistakes, then you won't make more. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's fine. That's... So, well, scene swipe. That you... he still cares about you. So, yeah. So, I'm going to say scene swipe. You guys caught up to the battle droid in the Nemoidian whenever you want. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, if, if you're done with the convo, we can go there or you can keep going. I'm fine with either. It's all good. I just want to let you know you he won't be a challenge to track. Okay. Alright, um, so the Nemoidian's yeah, no, on a can... calm talking yeah. to Admiral Trench, warning him that about what happened. And you can just come on in whenever you want. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk on in while he's... Uh, is he on like a 
hologram com or something? Yeah, he's on a hologram like... in a building, so it's a full-size replica of Trench. You know, his machine parts, him making that that clicking sound I can't quite make. It's hard to make. Like, you can't make it That's fair. clicky. Uh, you know, stroking one of his mandibles, you know, being a woolly spider, all the cool stuff about him. He's so cool. He, he really <laughs> is. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk in and just wave, like, like, hello. Trench, like, makes a wave sign at the battle droid. It grabs Nemoidian by the collar and drags him out of the room. <laughs> is, uh, is the holocron still on in the hologram. room? Hologram. Or did they take it? Hologram. Or, hologram. Right. We gotta be specific here. That That's meant fair. something else. The hall is. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. a big projector in the middle of the room. So, brother, I hear you got shot. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, yes. Yes. You know, these things wouldn't well, happen well if you played. bothered to sit down and think about your actions before you take them. You never learn. You know, that's. You, you can't just. You, you give very interesting orders. No, nobody else gives orders like that. Who else That's... does that? You just people, <sighs> people that are dead, people that are dead while I am alive. That's who. Fair Damn enough. <laughs> but like that, just just that's the whole point is that people are dumb and I can take advantage of them. And now you just you. You take that away yes. from me sometimes, brother. Yes, that is the point, Sicarius. Of course. People are dumb, you say. So you don't put any effort in. You don't ever try. It's just like when you don't even bother to send a gift on Life Day to our many, 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 to our one mother and many fathers. You just send a Holovid card. That's... My Holovid <laughs> card that you sign. Whoa, I... I, I did that little, like, song for the last one, didn't I? It was, oh. it was a good little song. Oh. Bless the maker. <laughs> that time you thought a song was a gift. That's... that's, that's singing is a gift. A gift. <laughs> she raised you from a hatchling. She didn't cannibalize you when you were clearly one of the runts of the litter. 25 what? years you lived with her and you can't even bother. And he's going to go on like this for the rest okay, of okay. his life. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he's going to do this until Anakin stabs him in the back in the last episode of Clone Wars, all right? <laughs> so, so, brother, what, what brings you or your, uh, your emissary to, to home? Are you visiting Mother This too? is not... Just because Mother moved to be closer to you because you didn't move out, she moved with you, brother, does not mean that that is my home. The home world is my home. <laughs> it's in the word. That's, but, like... like it, it, see, it's not cool to live with your mother, but if your mother lives with you, that's okay. That's different. That means, it's like... It's not okay. You're, None of this is okay, brother. But, you should be out on your own, finding your own mate, getting your own exoskeleton eaten, not having mother have to cater to you and take care of you as a full-grown exoskeleton. Or I just full-grown, yeah, whatever. Well, what? You're sound. the older brother. When are you getting a mate? I have a mate. It's called War. <laughs> well, <laughs> just 
You, you know that was almost cool. <laughs> I know, right? War can't be just, your answer just about. for everything. War is always <laughs> the answer. Find me a solution that war didn't solve, brother. You know what? As I said, what are what are you doing here? I am outsourcing talent. Like what? What does that mean? Oh, come now. I'm getting more people for the Lord Marshal to fight his forever war. I thought we agreed the Lord Marshal was bad. Oh, we agree on a lot of things. We agreed that you'd start you'd start dyeing your fur a proper color. What? Hey, this is its natural color. And it's wrong. It's off. <laughs> that, whoa. You can't just talk to me like that. That's, I just did, that's... and I can. I'm older than you. I'm also more successful you know and more handsome, and I have cool droid parts, and I've served not one but two galactic empires bent on dominating the galaxy. Two. To be fair, oh. I think the, the, the sandy white looks very good on him. Thank you, 411K. He's not going to be rude to you, 401k. You clearly deserve respect because you're not his brother. <laughs> if you try to be rude to her, she can cut him. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, no. I'm not there right oh, now. Oh, shit! Oh, oh, wow, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I do have to remember to have people be rude to you, Steph, so you can destroy them. <laughs> Don't worry. Plenty of the... Plenty of Plenty of the people in the organization are going to be rude as shit to you. Okay. <laughs> Not Trench. He's honor bound. <laughs> See, brother, I have friends, and they like how I look. Well, that's very fortunate for you. Someone must. It's a big galaxy out there, brother. Infinite combinations and infinite diversity must eventually produce someone. Who is who finds you acceptable, tolerable? It, you know what? Just for that, I'm not going to let you hire anyone here. We're going to stop you from hiring people. So there. Nah. <laughs> Whatever will I do without a bunch of starving skeleton refugees? Oh no! The Lord Marshal's plan is over. You clearly are fight. You clearly are committing to strategema moves far beyond my Grandmaster status. I hit the hang up button. It's as if Master... The last words he says are, it's as if Master Yoda himself... <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a big hang-up button. And I'm, just now, like, I'm fascinated to find out if Admiral Trench is one of those people who are like, hanging up on him, hits his fucking rage button. <laughs> oh, it, it, I'm sure it does. It's calculated. <laughs> right? I, I've lived with them long enough. I, I know how to push the buttons. It's, it's like, yeah, no, just this, see, this triggers. Admiral Trent was already bored of this conversation and didn't want to hang up himself because then he'd look desperate. So he'd made you already. I know. So you hang up for him. Uh -huh. I mean, I just think you're a second later, you've got a call back. <laughs> He's not going to do it. He's not going to call back. He's not no. going to do it today. That, that that makes him look desperate. But next, <laughs> that, next time. Get text. Listen to me, you little shit. You know? <laughs> A hollow text. <laughs> yeah. What? Just, I am the older brother, and I do the hanging up. <laughs> so the soft oh, cut I'm going to throw at you after that, because that will be answered. 
is something rolls into the room you're in from outside where the droid and the Moidian were after a brief holla, after a brief communicator call. Oh my god. Is it flashing? Yeah, it is. Okay, I grab Sicarius by the collar and drag him outside. I, I think fair. this is getaway. Roll getaway or take harm. Oh, oh shit, hang on a second. Let me bring up the dice roller. Dice, dice, <laughs> dice, dice, dice. <laughs> yeah, he had that battle droid. He had that battle droid roll a, a soft lava thermal detonator in. <laughs> That's fair. Oh See? wow, I rolled. I rolled a twelve. All right, you guys get out without harm or drawing attention to yourselves. Excellent. You just, you guys, you just get out of that scenario. And look at that. We had a horrible <laughs> encounter with Trench. Do you want to forge a bond with him? Uh, I did earlier, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep say the bond I forged with him is we never deliberately try to kill each other. We can maim each other or hurt each other, but we never deliberately try to kill each other. <laughs> well yelling at you helps keep her. That's fair. <laughs> Whatever you, floats your boat. Could you try not pushing his buttons on purpose? You know, he just, he gets, he gets under my skin and it, I just, it's, it's obviously mutual. I, yeah. I mean, you remember your brother? Mm, That's fair. That's fair. No (laughs) one knows how to needle you like, like family. Exactly. Exactly. Your brother and then Smashka too. Yeah. Yeah. Smashka to the estate. So, what does the estate look like, Steph? Oh, I posted a picture. Oh, that's the estate. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, let me let me yeah, describe yeah, yeah. the picture. Let me go to that. I have a picture for everything. A okay, chunk of yeah. Ice? So, yeah, it's an ast. No, it's an asteroid that has a chunk of ice. Okay, so it's an asteroid, and there's like an ice asteroid right next to it with like scaffolding plugged into it because it's you know these are small enough. And there's like another mm. asteroid nearby that has like a ring around it that's been drilled into it for mining that's also attached to it. It's basically three small asteroids connected by stations and infrastructure to be like a like yeah, an maybe the, draw. the and maybe the middle one is hollow and that has like a bunch yeah. of living quarters and stuff in it. Exactly. So you come to the estate. Do you know what the name of your uh, estate is? Do you have like a special name for it? Oh. That we could come to later. Okay. It w- I'm a droid, so it would probably be a string of, of letters and numbers. No, okay. That makes sense then. Let's see. I gotta grab... Ah, right. Exactly. Okay, we're there. So, uh, you guys, I guess, approach one of the like connecting arms between the main Silkwell and your asteroid. Or you might even take a ship. I don't know exactly how it's connected in. But when you land and yeah, dock, maybe take a uh, shuttle. yeah, when you land and dock and disembark, um, you are in your estate. What does the interior technology look like? Is it like made up to be like an Art Deco kind of cyberpunk, beautiful art style, kind of like how uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution did it with how it looked like modern but like Renaissancey, or is it like Star Wars lived in garbage, like the Millennium Falcon? Or is it like high tech, low tech? What's it look like? Mm, I like the idea of being tastefully decorated. Um, 
perhaps not quite as extreme as uh, Deus Ex, but but it is not. It's not a weed dealer living in his van like the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, no, that's um, a perfect metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Sure. So yeah, it's it's fairly expansive. It's it's well equipped for the needs of droids. So there's there's lots of ramps everywhere, um, and plugs and and maintenance shafts and everything. Um, and it's and it's it's tastefully art artfully decorated in moderately high tech. What's it populated by? Is it only four hundred one kms from like your model line, or do you take all sorts of droids? I take all sorts of droids. I'm like any droid that wants to be an independent droid is welcome in in my estate. So this is overwhelmingly uh, this place is overwhelmingly populated by droids that look just like four hundred one km. Um, and also, you know, besides them, there's just a galaxy of different droids, you know, like little mouse droids, gonks, IG-88s or whatever, you know, protocol droid, all all the robot costumes. They're all here. Uh, all right. So you're here in the Silkwell. What's the first order of business in your, now that you're home? You know, your siblings come and greet you. They say hi. Everyone's like excited to see that the, you know, the, you're back. The nobleman is back. Yeah. Well, I, I basically go around and check on everything and and, and, um, and check on as many droids as, as I can to see how they're doing and how life's been treating them. Um, kind of maybe look over my finances and my businesses and see how they've been doing. Um, and uh, and check in with a, a couple of the droids that, that run the day-to-day habitat of of the villa um and i don't know if securius is there but if he's there i introduce him to a bunch of droids and this oh, is yeah, four, I'll, I'll be there this is 412 and this is 413 and this is 427 securius <laughs> just nodding like ah yes nice to meet you hello <laughs> yeah everyone here is really laid back they're friendly um, oh, since you visited your place you have fellowship with, Steph, you now get that precious reload. Ah, yes! yes. I get my silk back, and so do you, Sicarius. Yep. Yep. So that's how your finances are doing. You get two uses okay, of precious, okay. useful, valuable silk. Awesome! <laughs> um, yeah, everything is going as well as you'd Wanted to go, Steph. Maybe not what four one k wants it to go. So if there's like a dip or a problem, you can let us know. But it's largely up to you how all these things are functioning. There is a caveat that ever since the given homeworld was sacked, uh, they've been trying to manage like supply, resources, infrastructure, technology trades because uh, Yeg Duel was like the biggest like infrastructure planet in the system. And, like, it's not Mm -hmm. gone. They didn't blow the planet up. They didn't burn the atmosphere, but they sacked it. That means all those infrastructure sites are no longer exporting if they're still functional and are full of necromongers, or they were bombed. So that's a crisis they've been dealing with. Mm, It might might seriously jeopardize your business if this continues and they can't get outside of the Strait of Messina to establish different trade lines during this goddamn clone war honestly i would throw in 
throw in to try to help them to uh to 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 ask the droids that were staying staying at my place to to assist the refugees on the crime droid if not necessarily actually go out to the given and, and out in the sector but okay. oh that's something that that I I start setting up when I'm back is okay yeah ask, your team ask some of the ask some of start... the droids to start helping the 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 refugees at least okay they will start mercy missions and trying to take care of people and organizing like getting supplies and food and and necessities and like uh like some sort of uh housing situation for them yeah which may um... grow fruit when you come back oh okay and what is what is a good um, challenge or thing to overcome? Oh. Probably that I also run into my brother. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that up. So the estate is fine. Like it has all these rooms and areas and different things are for maintenance or leisure or, you know, industry or communication, entertainment. One section of your base uh, you're not allowed to go to. It's like a room the size of a school gym, basically. And uh, that's mm-hmm. been locked off from you. Uh... 412, that bastard! Well, I have overrides for the entire complex, so I'm going to force my way inside to see what he's up to this time. It is a barren plain room with a few tables with that hologram chess game on it and chairs and like a large wall full of like hollow displays with like clear plans to get the orb from you. And standing there in the room is Terminal Finances, your brother, and another one of your droids. And he as soon as he turns like, hey, hey, you can't do that. You can't do that. This is my complex, I hope you know. No, 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 we all live here. This is our home, right? This is a home for droids, which means we're allowed to have personal space. This is my person. He's using, he's, I'm hand talking. In real life, I'm hand talking stuff a lot. So he's like gesturing wildly with his droid arms. This is all my personal space. You are in my personal safe space, sibling. I am in your personal space, but I know that you're up to something. Of course I'm and up to I something. I'm planning to get the orb from you. And I am happy to give it to you. Very well. Present it to me. When I think you are mature enough to use it for others' benefit and not your own. We were manufactured at the same time. We are identical. Yes, and I am holding on to it because I am using it to help others. I am happy to give it to you when I think that you aren't going to simply put it in a treasure room because of its own value and might actually use it for something more than yourself. One does not hide away some such as the orb in a treasure room. One shows it and takes it. They let the world see it. You don't understand the orb. It needs to be seen so others can gaze upon it and know that their lives one day could be as grand as to have the orb and living in the shadow of it gives purpose to their pointless organic existence. The orb is mine. And I love it. And, and that's why I'm not giving it to you. Until you can use it for something other than your own personal gain. 
Fine, then I'll join a deaf cult and a bunch of witches and have them take it from you. By the looks of things that you already have. I'll join a second deaf cult full of witches. <laughs> How many? I've already deaf found one. Witches are here. Well, there was You'd one deaf cult. Asked. There was one deaf cult, and then I found a second one. And that one also had witches, but they were being hired by the first one. Oh, yeah. So I found two, and I'm joining <laughs> them. If you think that is what you need to do, then I will support you. But I don't think that will help you get the orb. Or find the fulfillment you're looking for. I think I think if you want to fulfill this problem, you could give me the orb. <laughs> <laughs> the other droid you the con- The other droid I've already to told you, you the conditions. Like there's a second yeah. droid in here. It turns it's like um it is his turn with the orb. And just kind of shrugs. Like I did it. <laughs> And I nod him. It is his turn with the orb when he can use it for something more than himself. Okay, your brother goes over to a table that's been set up that is full of vases and like starts picking them up and throwing them against the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you destroying your own vases? No, I bought these. He hits a button, more, and someone comes, and one of those mouse droids with a ch- with a t- with like a little tray on it starts wheeling in more. <laughs> and he starts doing a Charles Foster Kane tantrum. <laughs> you will give me that. Or- I will possess that orb. And I've already told you what it will take for me to give it to you. And when I do, everyone in the galaxy will know that I also am in charge. You never weren't, you've always been in charge of your own existence. That is something I cannot take from you. My existence craves the orb. (laughs) I'm happy to give it to you when you don't, when you're willing to use it for something other than yourself. Then I'll join the witch death cult and we'll see where it goes. And everyone will know how cool I really am. Are you going to get a new paint job too? Yeah, it's going to be be red and black. black. Red and black. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, 411 face palms at this point. Fine, fine. I can't stop you. Go on, join a death cult if you think that'll make you happy. You know it will make me happy. You're denying it. You're choosing to torture me. This is violence against myself. I'm not torturing you. I'm asking for a simple bit of larger... of of thinking of others instead of yourself. And if you can do that, I'm happy to give you the orb. No thinking mind in the entirety of creation it has suffered as I have right now. <laughs> you do realize that if you join the death cult, which will kill everyone, there will be no one to admire you with the orb. 
Ah, but then I won't exist in a galaxy where I don't possess the orb, which is exactly the same. And no one else will possess it either. That's true, I suppose. Which, which, by my logic circuits, completely negates me needing to be jealous of it. So if you cease to exist, then you won't be jealous of it? No, 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 no. It has to be the orb and everyone else has to cease to exist too. No one else can have the orb or know about it or ever had known about it if I don't get to have it. And then that makes me satisfied. So it's all or nothing. The other droid turns. It is his turn with the orb and it makes like kind of like a shrug like (laughs) technically. And I've told him the conditions under which I will give him the orb. It nods. The droid nods. But I can see you fixated on a specific idea. I'm, is there any way I can talk you out of this? Or are you simply going to join a death cult just to spite me? I don't join the death cult to spite you. You factor very little into my unwavering jealousy over you having the orb. And clearly being in control of all of us because you have the orb. Because people who have the orb are in control of us. So no, I don't think about spiting you at all. Ever. At all. Ever. Naturally, of course. of course. How would I ever think such a thing? Your logic, pro- your logic, co- your heuristic co-processors must be faulty, faulty enough to engage in orb hoarding. <laughs> Obviously, it is my logic circuits that are corrupt. The uh, the droid turns. That other droid turns to you. It is true that a faulty heuristic processor could lead to orb hoarding. That is possible. Have you considered that perhaps the faulty circuits leading to orb leading to desiring to orb hoarding are his? Yes, but and it raises its finger. If he is the only one that wants that agrees that the orb should be his, one of us should also agree with him so that it's a faction and not just one droid. We're not supposed to keep our brothers alone, right? This is true. And if you choose to support him, I won't stop you. But oh no, I've mathematically, told him that- mathematically speaking, at least one more of us has to support him, other than himself, because he's all of us. So at least, so the propensity for orb obsession has to exist in all of us, which means one of us has to join him. Hmm. I math. see. I can't fault your logic. If However, he was the only one this obsessed, he would be defective, and that would be cruel. So we, I have to join him to show you that any of us could get this jealous about the orb. Because any of us could. Because he's not defective, he's just fair. us. And as I've told you before, I'm happy to give any of you the orb if you're willing to use it to help others instead of yourself. Which is why is- I am currently using it. The droid nods. Your brother is smashing vases on the ground while you two were talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You, He's still yelling and screaming and smashing. Slowly disappearing behind a giant pile of pottery. Sicarius <laughs> <laughs> so, so is just going to turn to you and be like, you know, you're a very good older sibling. <laughs> we were manufactured at the <laughs> same time on the same duo tr- dual assembly line. I've said almost the same thing to my brother, you know? It's uh, it's, it's, that's typical younger sibling talk 
I try very hard to take care of my my alternate models. Uh, alternate well, models. Like... Relationships with alternate models confound my logic processor, so I want to burn the world down. Uh, I get you, man. As a younger sibling, I understand. It's it's that rebelling against the world. It's you, you gotta do what you gotta do. I will go. I will I run away, and I will join a death cult run by witches. I agree. Sometimes, sometimes entities must do illogical things in order to discover their true feelings or yeah, their I, true opinions about things. I remember my death cult days. Those were, oh, that was a while ago, though. Really, you were in a death cult? I mean, it was just a little one way back when. It wasn't. It was, this was before death cults were big. You know, before was, they went like mainstream. Was it also a band? I mean, it probably was. I was, I was on a lot of spice at the time. Was, you know, I love that you remembered it. I, I didn't know if you remember the name. <laughs> I was talking about spice and listening to jizz. <laughs> I was playing a lot of jizz music and smoking a lot of death sticks. <laughs> I understand. I've seen spice lead to a lot of poor decisions. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. it's it's that rebellious phase. I love how we're just talking like he's not even here and he's just smashing yeah, he's still smashing pauses. The other droids like patting him on the shoulder, being like, "I agree with you. You deserve the orb." <laughs> Stop patronizing me. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. Uh. Do you want to forge a bond with your sibling? Sure. <laughs> Can I forge a bond with her sibling? Sure. I don't think they become right. companions because they're still part of the organization. You gotta, you gotta wrench him out no, of fair. the, uh, wrench him out of the, right. the thing. Little what brother his, woes. What is his name again? Uh, terminal uh, finances. Yes. See, what he should do is make one of your other brothers get the orb, and then he could steal it from him instead. Because that'd be easier than that oh. subtract than you. Oh, he thought of that. You want to see how that plays out? The other droid turns to you. May I have the orb? I'm going to do good with Are you that. willing to... Are you willing to use it for others and not yourself? Or yes. just give it to, uh, to Terminal Finance? Okay. N then no. <laughs> I must withhold it for now. No, he said yes to the part about doing it for others and stuff. Oh. Are you just going Except to give it to Terminal term <laughs> Did Terminal <laughs> Finances ask you to ask me for the orb? Yes, he did. Then I must refuse. I don't understand that logic. Have you ever played chess? No, I play Stratagema and that holographic chess game. But I don't know the name. Cheating. I see. Well, I, I would like to see the orb do the most good for the most entities. And I would like to terminal attempt finance. that. I agree. But if you give it to Terminal Finance, he will not. And it will that be was... defeating the purpose of me using the orb. 
that was not part of the license Until- agreement. You merely you only asked if he had asked me, not if I had agreed to the license agreement. <laughs> Your logic is flawed. My logic is not flawed because in a zero um, uh- Oh God! What's 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 the term? Um, I'm gonna let you know out of character. If you give him the orb, it's not gonna go directly to your brother. Oh really? What would happen? Do you want to see? It's gonna be funny. All right, sure. All right, he takes the orb. Terminal Francis walks right up to him. All right, now give me the orb. And the droid looks looks to you, looks back to him. Are you going to use the orb for the betterment of others? And he just starts screaming and throwing things. <laughs> okay, that was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Remember, they're they're your siblings. They're based on you. That's true. Termin- That's true. Fine says is the black sheep here. <laughs> all right that was uh, thank you so yeah peter that's why he hasn't tried that (laughs) (sighs) see the admiral trent maybe hire him and then have him give the orb (laughs) admiral trent is like i don't want the orb and and trent's like i don't understand this perspective why wouldn't you (laughs) <laughs> well, I know you don't want the orb, but I want the orb, so get it for me. Animal Trans is like, I have so many other important things to deal with. This is such a not thing for me. <laughs> There's a ping on KM's communicator. Oh. Oh, I pick up. Zevin shows up in like little shitty blue holograms, but can I have the orb? My God! Right? No, that doesn't actually fucking happen. That doesn't happen. That doesn't actually happen. That doesn't actually happen. Well, oh, she could actually. She, it's all good. She believes it's all good. We're joking. Moral, she believes no. in Zevin's moral character and thinks that if she did give him the orb, he would use it for the benefit of others. So if he asked, she probably would give him the orb. There's only one person who's not no getting the orb. Idea the orb yeah, there's only one person who's not getting it. <laughs> no, no, I. I you Lord probably Marshall. wouldn't pass yeah, it to Sicarius, because Sicarius would probably just flaunt it in front of your brother and tease him, which is probably <laughs> is probably reason enough to not give it to Sicarius. I, I, I will remind... Right. I will, I will remind the <laughs> listeners that this orb we keep talking about is a, gen, is a default thing that uh, heirs get. The heirs get a super important thing that everyone covets, and this is it. This is the orb. That's what we're talking about. That's <laughs> <laughs> what everyone covers. It's very important and unique. If Sicarius asked for the orb, Kim would give it to him until he started flaunting it, and then she would snatch it back. <laughs> That's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Bad spider. <laughs> All right. I think we're uh, we're good then with uh, that part of the silk well. Unless there anyth- is there anything else you guys want to accomplish here, the two things I'm going to pitch next are uh, maybe uh, you guys as a group having a conference call with the Overlord's more sane members, like Trench and the rest of them, you know, to talk about that mm. thing Zevin learned about Trench, that very very important thing. That crucial oh yeah, that thing. he yeah. needs to share with all of us that we don't actually know. 
No, he did. He told uh, you at the end of last, at yeah, last he, season. Oh, okay. No, no, you okay. know. Yeah, yeah. You okay. all know about the I think that was our thing. closing scene, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It was. It was. But, but other people who should know this do not know that. Yes. So my two last yeah. scenes I would suggest to, to wrap out the session in this long journey is you guys having some sort of conference call with Trench and the, again, more sane members of the organization that's in the Overlord's army. And two, the last scene would be you guys arriving at Nelvan so we can do uh, the, you guys, the setup for next session where Peter arrives and with like the rest of you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, so I'm uh, thinking that, that Devin and, Sh- and Peak are going to meet us at Nelvin. Well, they'll, um, they can be a part of the next scene, basically. Like, you guys can, like, this can be, like, further along in the long journey where you guys have all recovered and have, like, organized a call. Okay. Do we want to do that? Is that the scene we want to have with the group? Yeah, I think. All right. So, we will, as you know, your brother is freaking out, everyone is yelling at each other, people are laughing, you have the orb, we will star wipe again uh, to clearly later, you know, the ship which did look like wrecked and destroyed now looks like fully rebuilt and polished again, so you can get a sense that time has passed, Uh, and the entire party has gathered back together on the ship, Uh, you are in that kind of lounge area with a hologram communicator, uh, maybe you've gotten upgrades to it or like polished up so I can do like more complex holograms for like talking to people. Um, and I'm going to assume. Calls. With, yeah, I'm going to assume with the resources you have, you're able to get a hold of Admiral Trench for a f- more formal meeting. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. That yep. does make sense. We tell him that we have some important information we need, need to share with him. All right. The hologram comes on and you guys are in your ship. Trench and the gang are aboard one of his capital ships in one of his large, like, evil scheming lair rooms that are on those Separatist ships, which, you know, a lot of his fleet are those because he stole them from the Separatists. Um, Who do we got here? Oh, no. Okay, so it's Admiral Trench looking like a cyborg spider. Um, There is a human with... Wearing, like, black leather and, like, a still suit from Dune who has, like, glowing eyes. There is a Zygerian, which are kind of, like, purple cat people slavers. Um, there's General Kalani, the famous uh, Separatist droid general. He's one of those super tactical droids. Um, there is a Skak Cohen from the Techno Union. There's terminal finances, and there's a Dathomir witch and her droid and two Dathomir males. The droid looks like a protocol droid, but it looks like it's uh, wearing some sort of like cloak, and it, it's its metal's gone black, and seems to have like a like a sheen growing on it. These are the people that are in the meeting. All right. So Trench no will speak first because. Oh, yeah, yeah. Art and Moth is there. Sorry, I forgot to mention him. He's staying over there with the witch looking like he's in like battle armor now and has this like gas mask and breathing tanks and stuff for his demon vapor that he breathes for combat. And he looks like of, of, of the amount of plussed someone can be, he is the most nonplussed at the table. <laughs> hmm. Like he is he is whelmed. 
Uh, just one question. Uh, we're still on the uh, oh, back on Hoth, right? No, no, you're all yeah, back together on the ship. Is... Time has passed. Oh, uh, we, we went and picked up. him up. Okay, well, r- before then, was there anything that you wanted to tell us about yeah, yeah. hanging you out will, with the you... giant aliens? Oh, I would have given them a briefing on what we found okay. on Hoth, yeah. Alright. So we'll assume you guys have kind of general knowledge of your each other's scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, next to that guy in the black suit that's an assassin is an identical looking guy um, wearing like, you know, Star Wars clothes, like a jumpsuit. But they look like they're identical. Okay. That guy. We'll get into it. Oh, shit. No, you recognize these two guys. You recognize them. The two humans, like the one guy that's in like a still suit with glowing eyes and the guy that looks identical next to him. They look like the most famous Holovid actor who's ever lived. Chevron Laser. Who doesn't have a sibling. (laughs) <laughs> mm, now there's two of them hmm. oh it's nice to see several lasers I have one last question before we get underway alright so like this collection of uh, this collection of like hollow dudes we're addressing would you describe them as a crowd um like in what context what are you looking for Look at my lantern customs, the second one specifically. Yeah, you're looking to use that, though? That's what you're kind of seeking out? Yeah, I'm just wondering if that applies here. Um, Order someone or something brought to you, order them to fight for a cause, or them to disperse back to their homes. Like, no, you're you're not going to be able to, over this call, like, you know, speak softly to the crowd like that with your Jedi powers. Not for any, like you know, shutting you down reason. It's just that you got to kind of do it like this interaction isn't really for that, you know, like it's not for being like you all will betray the overlord and go back. Cause if that was the case, then no one from the organization would ever speak to you because immediately when they do, you convince them that they should give up the cause and go, which means the, the knock on effect is that you'd be able to do that once to a big group of them when they don't expect it. But then every time after that, if they, you ever try to talk to them, they would never talk to you. So you yeah, could no, totally, I thought it was Edge Casey because it's right? they're, they're like, a bunch of individuals. They're a bunch of really important individuals, not like a mob or a bunch of or a mob of soldiers or you know, right? They're not mooks. Townsfolk. For, yeah. for what for what this specific scene is, it would run counterintuitive to what you want, and it would run counterintuitive to like every single interaction later. Like it, it would cause like this knock on effect. I mean, if you really want to push for it. You can. Like, if you just are going to dismiss half the Overlord's uh, uh, organization members in this, sure. But the knock-on effect will be... Oh, I mean, I can try... I can, if I'm dead set, I can just try and hit one or yeah. two of them with a mind trick. But, yeah. Yeah. If Don't you do push it and succeed, the, the, the marching orders going forward be that they would never talk to you guys again. Like, the Jedi is too powerful. He'll convince you uh-huh. about things you don't want to be convinced about. And they won't even call it mind control. They just know what Jedi are like. Jedi can, like, get into your head and shit. Not in a mind control way, in a, you know, talking to a guy way. Like, they'll fuck around with your your confidence and stuff. Every criminal who's encountered Jedi knows this shit. (laughs) Every criminal important enough to encounter Jedi knows this shit. (laughs) 
so yeah, this 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 slice of the Legion of Doom is here because there's more because Fellowship Book Four came out and recodified how the organization works, and I have so many more NPCs to make that I didn't know I had access to. It's so good, such sights to show you. Um, so I guess Trench will open this discussion now that the the kind of meetings come in, and he'll ask, you know, well. You've gotten us all here. We've decided this one time to field your call. What is it do you want now, brother? He rolls his robot eye. Hey, hey, it's more than just me here. There's, we have important things to say. The Jedi is, is pretty smart. <laughs> well, on that Jedi? recommendation, please, Master Jedi... You'll be aware that we've confronted the Overlord directly. Everyone nods. Yes, you've encountered the Lord Marshal. Did I just call him the Overlord in character? Fuck me, I'm tired. It's okay. Um, like, Overlord Lord is that would an have acceptable... Been Marshall, not Overlord. Okay. Okay. It's, it's acceptable to call title. him... Yeah. It's an acceptable title. It fits. It's what he is. That was a slip of the tongue. Anyway. Um, fucking hell. In the course of our conflict, I touched his mind through the Force, and I spoke to Jesus. It's been, uh, it's, it's been, we, God, we've been away from this game for over two months. Uh, we there know his real name, right? No, that is the thing that keeps coming up. No one knows his real name. Like, it burns itself out of records and falls off your tongue in your mind. They know he has a real name, but no one knows his real name. So the man okay, who well, you was, know he was a station Marshall, physician. The 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 term people have been using, I think, consistently is the man that was, or the man that would become the Lord Marshal. I was able to speak briefly with the physician he used to be before he led your forces. Are any of you aware what you're actually? fighting for, what his final motive is. They all kind of look at each other like, they're not really here for him, so they don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> like, they have that look like, no? Like, yeah, but no, but who, who cares? Admiral Trench, you're a professional soldier, and some of the rest of you are mercenaries. You fight for cause, or for coin, or for glory, or for whatever reasons motivate you. And you all believe you've attached, you've attached yourselves to a rising force, to a man who will reshape the universe, or who will improve your fortunes. The Lord Marshal is interested in none of these things. His agenda is the extermination of everything in the galaxy that lives. The cessation of history. The end of life itself. He's not, oper he's not operating a death cult 
to intimidate his enemies. He is a true believer, and you're, pro and you're propping up a fanatic bent on universal genocide. I tell you this upon my honor as a Jedi Knight. Is that all? Yeah. Okay. I, I just didn't want to cut you off while you were talking. That's what I was uh, looking for. All right. I have no idea if that triggers a move or not, but I mean, no, no, no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking where the response is going to come from here. So the witch, like the very obvious Dathomir force, witch, you know what they look like. They're on the Jedi records. The Jedi encounter them every once in a while. It's a whole thing. You know, they, they stay away from each other. Uh, <clears throat> she kind of laughs and like finishes off whatever drink she was having of, I don't know, blue milk. Uh, <laughs> rolls her eyes not really at you like you're lying or that like you know you're deceiving them or that you've discovered a universal truth she just kind of makes this uh, the dramatic guardians of the republic every day a warlord or a sorcerer or a red blade is seeking to destroy life as we know it is it not so no, madam. No, madam. I'm familiar with you, with uh, the philosophy to which you ascribe, and it seeks power, not oblivion. Well, power is one way to conceptualize our people, but I think you will find that not even the greatest of your knights or of our mothers or of your red blades little alchemists that any one person is capable of what you are describing you are speaking of childhood fables and scare tactics to rally an army against an, over an overwhelming threat please present us with something compelling The room seems to kind of be hinged on her right now because everyone else has like interpreted what you said differently, but she's starting to take control of the room. Remove the right arm of one of your servants and in short order, you'll likely see the threat we face. Or perhaps you've seen it already. Oh, you've met Bob and Mike. How did you find them? I'm so interested in the encounters. I believe you know that they do not hail from your philosophy. They're old. They are... They represent trouble in our culture's ancient history. They represent an unkind and unfamiliar changing of the world. They are said to be ancient even beyond the Republic. And they are your current employers. The Lord Marshal directs Bob and Mike. They fear him. And the Lord Marshal, we have his ear. And I think we could take Bob and Mike in a fight. Huh. It's amazing. Everything you've just said was wrong. <laughs> Very good. Excellent use of that line. 
She uh, she'll clap her hand and uh, then snap to the two male Dathomirs. Corkzet, uppies, uppies, and they'll get up. You two, Artin, to her ex, and he's like, oh, "Please don't do this in front of them. Come on, uppies!" And he'll get up, and the Skakoan doctor and the droid in the cape covered in oil will leave the meeting as they're as they're departing. He dreams even of the death of the Force. Uh, well, men Solve do your pride dream. as you will, but think of what I've said. Think. I will dwell on your fear, Jedi, and I will contemplate the impossible dreams of foolish men, as you've suggested. And I do enjoy the next talk we'll have. And she'll leave with her entourage. Uh, That's not all, right, this, all of them, this, right? This, no. no, not all of them. No, 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 no. Just like uh, a faction. Yeah. But this does come a to mind uh, with that little exchange. That's probably invoking some sort of move. Like you're trying to pull something on this group here, clearly. You're speaking softly. No, you're not speaking softly. You're, you're, you're speaking with conviction and asking them for help. Talking sense? Yeah, that's clearly talking sense. So... Detail your plan, appeal to their emotions. You appeal to their emotions, that's wisdom. So you're clearly talking sense with wisdom, right, Holden? Sounds like it. Let's do that. Because not everyone needs proof. Some people will just take you at that speech. Like, they just will. That happens. Uh, looks like I managed an eight. They'll do as you ask to the best of their ability, but you owe them a favor. The more you ask them, the more they'll ask of you, and they can cash in at any time, even right now, before they do as you ask. Okay. So, uh, the people that are left now that the witch side of things have uh, left the table. Um, oh, yeah. Also, the Zygerian left, too, because she's with them. Why wouldn't she be? Uh, so, yeah. Sister Despondia leaves. Uh, with her entourage and Admiral Trench and General Kalani talk briefly and they turn back to you two or to your group. What would you have us do, Jedi? I'm curious what you think we can do in this situation if there is a doomsday coming from a force so powerful it can blink out existence. Would that not be your department? <laughs> We're seeking the means to stop the Lord Marshal directly. As it stands, though, you greatly amplify his power and his, his power and his reach, and his ability to block the Strait of Messina from mounting any sort of concerted resistance to his true forces. And. Have you noticed factions within the death cult itself? Absolutely. Things are falling apart because this organization wasn't built correctly from the ground up. And with these trialsome interruptions with the plan, or the, the raising of the, Lord, of the necromongers, we are starting to get war factions. Splinter groups. Uh, cohesion is being lost. That's... Not something that we could hide from you. You would know about it from watching any Hollow Ved reporting of it. 
but that cohesion will soon be reinstated. Are there are there factions that you see cannot seem to get a hold of, even with your great str- strategic mind and plans, plans and organization? There are fanatics, but they're better dealt with, with through other means. We have ways now with the members of this war council. If I would suggest... If I would suggest a proposition to hold and to watch these factions and to try to mm, see what their goal, actual goals are and their actual intents and see what kind of power they're, they're centering on themselves. So watch and wait. That is what I propose to you. Interesting proposition to do exactly the opposite of what I've been honor bound to do as my prestige as a general of my acumen demands. But I think there might be a misunderstanding here. Jedi, when you originally pitched who we are and why we are here, Sister Despondia is a sorceress and is concerned with numinous power and abstract cult sorcery. Bob and Mike are demons from the underworld sent here to torture us. The various riffraff here and there are mercenaries being paid in whatever means that the Lord Marshal can provide to them that they can't get outside of the strait. I am not here for those reasons. I am here because the world is ending outside of the Strait's walls. And that was happening before I joined the Lord Marshal. Correct me if I'm mistaken, Admiral Trench, but you speak in terms of transformative politics. No, I, I speak, speak in terms of, the- of sky wiped clean of stars. I am speaking of death on a scale you could not even comprehend if you were to say, if you were to put a stop to the Lord Marshal. I am speaking, if what you say is true, I am speaking of a no-win scenario, which means I need a backup plan. And I will be very recalcitrant to assist without one. I'm not going to put a bullet into my mandibles just to save your galaxy when I am trying to save it myself. Do you have any idea so what's not? going on outside of the Strait of Messina? I... Honestly, no. Admiral Trench, if you speak the truth, then our goals are not in opposition to one another. There is something coming to the Strait. Something from the galaxy. Something in the Clone Wars. And it's coming for all of us. And I figured it out. Kalani knows. Kalani's a being of pure logic and he was convinced to defect. He was built by the CIS. Every commander that I've shown this evidence to has fallen in line to me. The worlds are ending. There isn't going to be a Republic or a CIS after this. And nobody is noticing and nobody is doing anything about it. Nobody's talking about it. 
but there will be something which is better than nothing. I I agree, brother, that destruction on such a large scale is terrible, but at least there will be a something versus a nothing. I can't fight a war against some sort of doomsday demon from a black hole. I can fight a war against a phantom menace that is ruling the Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems. So then fight that war. All we're asking is bide your time, gather your power slowly and carefully, gather those you trust, gather what you can and how you can, and just bide your time and look. Really look, brother. You are smarter than I. You're probably smarter than the Jedi, even. And you'll you guys keep complimenting him. Figure it out. God damn it! <laughs> you both it's, did it. Like you're, you're, you're my brother, and I care about you. Just I am doing this for you, and brother. Stay even safe. Exactly. So stay safe. Stay careful. Plan what? every move, and look at again. Plan it three times, even. I don't care, but what? don't, don't oh. rush it. Don't, don't, don't pick a side so quickly that you make mistakes. Make sure you have more than one exit strategy. There's a knife at your back, Admiral, and it will be driven in left-handed when it falls. What is this phantom menace that you are saying no one is talking about? And how do you know it might not be the same thing we're talking about? He slams his hand onto the console to start bringing data up along with Kalani and starts showing you things like battle plans, war strategies, after action reports, confirmed like cross-referencing, edited data, like just, just data. And he starts pointing it out in rapid succession. And I'm not going to go over it all because Jesus H. Christ, I'm not going to ad-lib all that. But he will give you an extremely convincing case. As convincing as he can get with, the, with his acumen and the knowledge he's gathered from both Republic sources and, and Separatist sources. That the Clone Wars are completely fabricated. That it was, it's being orchestrated and instigated by one single side to weaken every single army in the galaxy and make them right for being conquered after every, after every civilization, power center, cultural center, financial center have been so thoroughly destabilized and ravaged by war that they can be like taken over and colonized instantly. He will show you evidence, shaky evidence, that suggests that the Jedi commissioned the clones to be made decades before the war even happened in numbers that would be almost perfectly matchable to the production capabilities of the trade federation at the exact point the trade federation decades later would start to turn against the republic and form the cis with the rest of the senate uh uh parties that left convergent evolution that is too perfect for it to be coincidence it would not make sense from an objective standpoint. He will point out battles lost, wars of attrition, um, people being assigned for no reason. He will point out the many times Anakin Skywalker has not been assigned to the front lines to win obvious battles, specifically because uh, the Supreme Chancellor and the Senate wanted him on another like milk run or wanted him home to deal with some fucking political thing. He will he will use your own generals and your own competency, uh, Zevin, 
as supporting evidence in his case that this war is being run by people who want both sides to lose. And he will point out that it has to be someone powerful and it has to be connected to the Jedi and it has to be someone who might be connected to the Red Blades. And it, and it predates, predates the Lord Marshal because the Lord Marshal was in the Clone Wars. He'll lay it all out. He has found a conspiracy that the entire fucking galaxy is playing to one party's tune. And something's coming. He can tell the way resources are going, the way the wars are going. If he was the guy doing this, within the next year or two, he would flip the switch and wipe everyone out. Whatever that is. And he doesn't know what it is. He can't see the shape of it. And the closest one he knows who might know something... The, the one thing he can figure out that was like not part of this plan that had to be isolated was when Mandalore got conquered because Mandalore was part of this and then it was conquered and then it went off script as far as he can tell. So if you want him to start working against his boss, raising, because what you're asking him goes exactly against his plan. If he does not consolidate and restore cohesion to the Necromonger Horde, they will split off into splinter groups and he'll never be able to get them under control in time. So you're telling him to do the exact thing that he is here to do. The exact reason he signed up with a death cult. And if you want him to do that, you need to deliver him Darth Maul. Lord Marshall, if your data is accurate, if this information is reliable, it does seem to indicate some force manipulating the CIS the Galactic Senate, and the Jedi Council. I cannot find any flaws in his data or his reasoning. I Brother, brother, are these numbers real? It's all real. Not, and not, also, not to insult I'm, you. I'm going to point out, out a character to Zevin, a lot of this stuff matches up with stuff that the Jedi Council did not report to the Republic. Like, stuff that, that Master Windu and Master Yoda keep close to the chest that you guys kind of pick up on because you live with them. Uh-huh. And, like, just casual things General Skywalker and General Kenobi have mentioned. Just just odd things they've mentioned are all starting to click together. I would almost want to lay the blame at the feet of Count Dooku, particularly for the involvement of... the. The, the uncanny number of coincidences around the clone army, but that doesn't quite mesh either. If there's any rogue agent that might be able to point a path to answer the questions you pose, it would be the Sith apprentice that appeared several years ago, Darth Maul. We never found out who trained him or where he came from. We had a Sith apprentice. And I can tell in you one ranks. other thing. And she told me. I can tell you one other thing. Always two of them. That ma- that matches uh, the information we have. And I can tell you, Darth Maul's at large right now in the Strait of Messina. Admiral Trench didn't know that. Why would he be here? How is he here? Where did when did he come he... here? Very good questions. We inadvertently freed him from a Sith trap on uh, the moon of Korriban, and the Witch Moon. 
he was here after he conquered um, a large section of Mandalorians. And then I'm not sure why he went to Korriban. He At took last the sighting, loose on on commercial prime did we turn him loose on commercial prime yeah you we turned did. him loose yeah you, 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 i'm gonna say you yeah. turned him loose and he's now loose i'm going to admit we're like it's our fault but yes uh and at last sighting he was on commercial prime oh yeah peter brought up prong krell in the discord like Trench brings up Pong Krell. Pong Krell was like a known vector. He was betraying the Jedi to join Dooku because Pong Krell claimed something big was happening. The clones reported on that. Is that that guy who runs a fucking diner? Uh, he's the same race. Um, the okay. four-armed diner guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dexter Baxter. It well, turns out that Dexter Jester was the Phantom Menace all along. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, Christ. But yeah. Um, okay, so you, you basically said, yeah, this all matches up. And Maul is loose somewhere in the system. So Trench, I I have autonomy as a general, as the general for the Necromonger Horde. But that does not mean I do not have oversight. I cannot not do my job to pursue Maul. But if so, I were to have Maul, I could torture what I need out of him. <clears throat> um, two points. The first is that I can't be party to the torture of anyone or anything. And the second rolls his eyes. concern is that Darth Maul is, to the best of our knowledge, a tr- not only a fully trained Sith warrior but one who survived injuries far in excess of anything you're likely to be able to inflict on him without killing him. And millions and of Mandalorian. And uh, he and inflicting pain on him will only make his, increase his powers tenfold. You may wish to consider another course. Ah, uh, yes, I should negotiate with him and make allies with him. What other option is there? He's a rogue agent. He's actually, he is a reasonable and logical person. If you have something that he wants, he can give you answers that you want. Poncrell, or not Poncrell, uh, Admiral Trench thinks for a moment. And just kind of like, you hear him click it kind of under his mandible, just enough that you can hear it, but you kind of feel like you weren't supposed to. He kind of mutters, Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) Bring me Maul. And I will get the information we need out of him through a different trade. Zevin looks around the group like, "Are we? Are we doing this? Are we? Are we making this deal?" Uh, mm. Yes, I, mm. I, I do tend to trust my brother. Mm. Uh, I mean, you saw the evidence. Like, like things are going sideways here. Yeah, I'm looking at Sicarius particularly because he knows he knows the guy, you know. Yeah, like like if my brother says things are going sideways with or without the Lord Marshal, I do strongly think that the Lord Marshal is the biggest threat. But that doesn't mean that this other threat is non-existent, and it doesn't mean this other threat should not should be left alone. What if the it, what if the yeah. threats are connected? 
if there is something brewing outside the Straits of Messina, if he's right, if 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 he's right, there's little we can do about it. In, well, in here, trapped with Lord Marshal and his necromongers and whatever it is he's brought with him out of the black hole. Our first priority has to be defeating him. And that means, and uh, if we can bring bring Trench and Trench's forces away from his side of the war, then that should hasten the day when the Lord Marshal is off the table and we can consider attempting to get out of the strait to address these other issues. That it all seems, moves in the same direction. Yeah, that that makes the most sense to me. Very well. Then I, I guess we unmute and turn back to him. Like, you have a deal. Very well. We will continue to be enemies on either side of this war, as we always have been. But when you bring me Maul, we will talk about my oath to the Lord Marshal, and we will talk about it in great detail. Keep your eyes open, brother, and watch your back. You too, Sicarius. Don't be trucking. Be careful trucking with Jedi. The people around them end up memorialized. <laughs> and he'll end the call. Sicarius will nod as he's like reaching for the button. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, that was what was happening. He was looking to hang up first dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I got Sicarius that just like. Mm. He got me this time. <laughs> he was desperate I to hang up should... first. Sicarius <laughs> just texts him, well played. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm going to point out that Peter had it right. Uh, or not right, 100%, but like Admiral Trench was pretty confident they could torture what we need out of them all because they have a witch with him. Like she's mm. a witch from Dathomir. She's a witch. That's Let's why you look for a witch. <laughs> That, what I was implying is that the witch will go, hmm, that's like, you know, a defamator right here. Sure, let's capture him and let's get the information out. I'll now free him and use it for my own plans because I'm a defamator witch and I own him because he's a male. Yes. So, yes. Very ju- <laughs> yeah. very, yes. Someone like very gently suggesting this is going to go south on you so hard and so fast. Oh, no, no, you're, <laughs> you're right. She was definitely going to take the information and whatever she needed out of Maul and then married him making him property uh, and then use him as her new husband as like, you know, a powerful Sith Dathomir, witch man, warrior, man, witch warrior uh, trench would have been real fucked, but trench didn't know that he doesn't really understand Dathomir culture as well as he probably should. Cause they're hard to know about the person who knew the most about them was Dooku. And uh, Oh God, that guy's still alive. <laughs> he's, he's out there running the clone war. <laughs> So Trench has limited info in some areas. He didn't quite understand just how bad uh, getting Maul and uh, Sister Despondia together would be. They'd get married, and she'd make Art and Moth watch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) That note. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And we star wipe away from that meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm going to do a quick Overlord scene, and then we'll probably just wrap the session as you guys are going to touch down Nelvana, and the next session we'll dive into Nelvana because it's getting late. Does that make yeah, sense? Also, that, also, that's like a really yeah, that's like yeah. a really good good dramatic point to to part on. 
too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. So the last scene takes place on the Witch Moon Corabon. Um, we pan down to that prison complex you left the Lord Marshal abandoned in on a dying world full of predators and demonic sorceress like entities. Uh, and that prison basically shakes and rumbles and starts to split and uh, like just detonates apart. And in the middle of a small crater, not near like, like it's not completely cratered away, just most of it in the area where the Lord Marshal's flexed his strength. The Lord Marshal, the 13 foot tall death skeleton, is like on his hands and knees just screaming in rage because this was not a good series of days that have gone by. And you can see various points of his like uh, articulation and limbs and hinges just snap and shift as he seems to get longer and less humanoid, almost like he's getting more dangerous and just like vomiting up uh, black mist and fog. The tendrils of black mist and fog leave and kind of dissipate into the air. And in a few seconds, or maybe some heartbeats go by. When who shows up? Ah, yeah. Okay. So a man walks up. He's human shaped. He is covered in like mummification bandages that actually kind of resemble how the Jedi used to bury their dead. They used to kind of mummify them and let them dehydrate and stuff. Some Jedi would even like let themselves living mummify so they can be like a little temple spirit that could like, or like a temple watcher that would just kind of keep the area safe with their body's presence or whatever. Uh, so this mummified, dried-out husk walks up to him. The eyes are basically, like, constantly dripping black liquid. And from the other side, the exact opposite of where that man came from on the other side of the Lord Marshal, one of those people that were in the prison gets up and starts to shift and writhe like their body is turning into fire. Their body isn't burning. It's like their physical form has become an intangible flame. And out from that pops one of those Velociraptor people, the uh, the Cenobites, those cultists from the Void of the Galaxy that serve the Lord Marshal and his plans. It's covered in ruins. Its skin is glowing red where the cuts are in its body. It doesn't have eyes. It has those nose mollusk tendrils to see and sense the environment. And they both approach the Lord Marshal as he gets up. Uh, and they sort of make like a bowing or a supplication motion. Uh, as he looks up to the planet that Korriban orbits on, puts and extends a hand and makes a fist as a ship falls from orbit and crashes uh, next to the three of them, and they get on board. As the Lord Marshal recruits Judy and Mr. Fear to his general list. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, you guys, the last scene of the session is your ship is approaching the planet of Nelvan, which I'm sure we'll describe next session. And Shining Peaks gets to go home. Hooray! Nothing bad happens at home. Nothing bad happens oh, at no. home. So we'll wrap up there. I was Devin. I was Stephanie. Peter. Ian. Holden. And this is Sponsored by Nobody, signing off.